Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in the studio as always. It's the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, this is kind of an impromptu episode. That's why sure. you really haven't heard any hype behind it. It is the holiday season, and we do want to wish a happy holidays to everybody involved with the ODPH audience. Yes. So we weren't sure we were actually going to be able to record today, so that's why you didn't really hear any hype, but obviously... Star Wars. It's like a late Christmas present. It's shown up in your stocking. You thought you went through it. You got all the candy out, the gift cards, maybe maybe an ornament or two, and you go, oh, there's something else in here. Exactly. Star Wars kind of prompts that because, you know, we've been hyping it up. Last week's episode was a whole devotion to Star Wars and 40-plus years of space, sci-fi, odyssey, epics, whatever you can define Westerns. It yeah, there's so much going on with it. Obviously, when they decided to fold the chapter of the Skywalker saga, we had to cover it. So we're devoting the entire episode just as a quick recap. It's not going to be as long as our normal episodes, and we're just going to just dive right into it. You know where to find us on social media, OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Join us on the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and always use the hashtag ODPH so we can find you. So let's dive right into it. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Pad, you got some numbers? Yep. Uh, so having been in theaters for six days now, as we record, uh, it has grossed domestically uh, $258,863,711. Internationally, it has grossed $257,900,000 even uh, dollars for a worldwide total of $516,763,711. So it's already at half a billion dollars in six days well that's a lot but obviously you know when you deal with the star wars fan base you know they're gonna turn on droves Uh uh-huh and obviously this film had a lot going on with it a lot of hype behind it so we are going to be talking spoilers you have been forewarned yes so in three two one pad use the force what did you think you know what i enjoyed it it wasn't a perfect movie by any means but it wasn't the worst movie of all time you know, and it's not even the worst one. I wouldn't even say it's the worst one of the series. You know, I have to give it a few more viewings before I, I rank it. But I, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, there are definitely some plot holes, but that comes with Star Wars. That's to be expected. You know, but in the end, in the end, I'm happy with what they did. I'm okay with the ending. And, you know, I'm happy I saw it. For me, uh, I did like it. I'm not in love with it. Um, I thought that it closed out the saga on a good note. However, I was disappointed by a few things. Okay. The second act left a lot on the table for me. See, for me, the first act was kind of the weakest of the bunch just because it had a lot going on, and it was kind of like almost like you know a car on, on an icy road spinning its tires a little bit. Yeah, you could kind of say that. I mean, it opened up with this normal crawl. Right. And I didn't thought – I've had this talk with a couple listeners and a couple Star Wars fans that – are you know slowly connecting to the show and they all had the kind of mixed feelings about it did it give away too much in the crawl or not um i don't think so i mean for me 
it was kind of ambiguous, which is to be expected from a star from a Star Wars film. The only kind of complaint I had with it is it talks about you know this mysterious broadcast emanating from someplace in the galaxy, and it's you know Emperor Palpatine's voice and this that and the other. And maybe there's something you know in a comic or a book I might have missed that I hadn't read. But to me, it just felt so so like abrupt a start that like there was no lead into this. Like I feel like what would have made sense at the beginning of the film is okay, they're having a battle on some planet against the first order and they're like skin of their teeth barely scraping by you know really having to use their wits to to win and you know they're halfway through the battle or at the end of the battle or they're running away or they won or whatever and you get this random transmission that wait where's this coming from there's no we can't we can't pinpoint the source what is it well let's let's listen and then you hear it that would have made more sense than just a hey, he's broadcasting, and we're just kind of going to go with he's alive again. Yeah, it, it was, so much was left when, obviously, we heard Palpatine was coming back for this. Right. That we really weren't sure what to expect. And obviously how they wanted to open up with Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, mm-hmm. meeting his maker, so to speak, the obviously the man behind the, uh, you know, the Empire himself. The man pulling the strings. Yes, and obviously you hear about how he's been slowly working in the shadows, shocker to no one, right? building up an army of Star Destroyers and basically yep. laying out the blueprint that, you know what, Kylo, you've been the chosen one, so to speak. Snoke, right. Snoke was just, uh, you know, a decoy. Right. In fun Easter egg, we get that opening sequence where Kylo and, and his troops are on that reddish looking planet fighting and taking guys down. Absolutely. That was the one shot was in the trailers. Fun fact from the visual dictionary for Rise, Rise of Skywalker, that planet has a name and it is known in the Star Wars universe. Oh, Mustafar, of course, the planet where Vader got burned alive almost uh, in Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, and where he built his castle, seen in Rogue One. Interesting. Uh huh. I did not know that. Yeah, no, a little tidbit I found out. I was like, ooh, I like that. Well, that's the one good thing I think that they did in this film is they definitely threw in a lot of Easter eggs to yeah. the mythos. Yeah. And obviously, with it being Episode Nine, they had a lot to work with, and to close out, they definitely needed to touch upon that. So that's just another cool nod. That yeah. And obviously, we see with Kylo Ren getting the plan, and obviously, it's involving Rey and what's going on with her. And then we find out that she has been doing training with you know, Princess Leia. Yep. And the rebellion is still trying to find out what's going on with the First Empire. Yeah, I mean, they're trying. Well, at, at first, it, you would think that their plans are like, all right, we're just trying to maintain and get by and, and defeat the First Order. Then it, because of where we are in the film, or at least the timeline, it's been all right. We got to figure out what in the world is going on with. Palpatine, how the heck he's alive? Because he kind of got thrown down a shaft, and there was seemingly an explosion. Right. So obviously, the fact that he has returned, and they're getting intel from a spy, mm-hmm. which I thought that the reveal when that happens, and we'll get to a little later, was a cool nod. Yeah. Because the reasons behind it made sense. Yeah. And it wasn't just forced in there. Yeah. But obviously, the rebellion now finds out that Palpatine is alive, and he's on Exegol, and Ray is now learning about you know where he is and just basically is she ready to have that final battle? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where it's all been leading up to that she's been reading Luke's notes yeah. and training with Leia, so she's really trying to step her game up because she knows not that the end is near, but right. the final battle is coming. Well, and i got to say, one of my complaints with the movie was in regards to the, unused, the footage of Leia they used. Now, for those who didn't know, this wasn't like CGI Leia like you saw in Rogue One. They didn't, you know, find a lookalike and redub her voice or whatever. This was unused footage that was cut from uh, The Force Awakens. My, uh, there were points where I was watching this and I could tell, okay, this is from someplace else. Maybe that 
uh, United Kingdom place they filmed the uh, basin on I forget what the planet is in Rise or uh, Force Awakens, you know where they they go back to the basin. Finn runs into Poe again, and maybe it was from there. And it just looks like okay, they just pulled the her her body from there, put it into these scenes, and just green screened it. Mm-hmm. There there were moments where and it's and there were even moments where she was talking, and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right with what's going on on scene on the screen or even what's being discussed it feels very like cut and pasted together it's cut and pasted but it was definitely needed to happen oh yeah because yeah. there, there obviously with what happened to the late carrie fisher you want to make sure that she's sent off in the right way in the star wars right. universe and, and, and you certainly couldn't just have the movie start and go oh hey well it's a shame we don't have princess leia anymore and she died in an off-scene screen that were off scene battle that we're not going to show yeah i mean it was a it was a difficult decision what to do and i thought yeah. i thought jj abrams who directed the film did a good job with it oh he definitely did just for me there were certain points where i was watching it going yeah this doesn't look as crisp as it could be right but obviously you you're making the best of the situation cause yeah because I, I think if they tried doing like a cgi or, or just wrote her off screen like yeah. that would not yeah. have flown over. No. So obviously Ray is at this stage figuring out, okay, well there's a way to track down Palpatine and we have to find a Sith wave rider. Uh, wayfinder. Or wayfinder rather. And obviously she gets the gang together and mm-hmm. they go to what I can only define as a planet that is Star Wars Burning Man. Uh that or Coachella. One of the two. Something was going on there, which I was just sitting there going, okay. Another fun Easter egg, uh, C-3PO says in the film that the celebration on that planet takes place once every 42 years, uh, 2019 minus 42, 1977. Ah, well played. Mm-hmm. So obviously they go to the planet and they're celebrating with the locals in you know Burning Man of Star Wars. Like, I don't know how to else describe it. No, it. it was literally Burning Man. Yeah, which I'm just going, okay, this is going to get really weird, but let's roll with it. Sure. And obviously if there's a party going on in the galaxy... There is one man that will step up and find that party. 3PO. Well, 3PO does bring a party with him. This is true. But is an old friend, Mr. Lando Calrissian. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, with Lando being there, and he's trying to help him find the Wayfinder. And at this point, the Empire is tracking her down. Mm -hmm. Tracking Ray down, should I say. Because Kylo has, like, that weird psychic connect to her. Yeah. Which was throwing me off for a little bit. Sure. But I understood the point of it because you really don't know what the connection is. Right. At this point. Right. That everybody's kind of thinking their brother and sister, that that is Ben's long-lost sister. Well, and then the other guess people were making was there's an old, ep- or not old, there's an episode from the Clone Wars, uh, the Mortis Trilogy, which I highly recommend watching uh, if you're into the getting into the lore of Star Wars and old stuff, um, where there's a brother and a sister. Yeah. And that, you know, there was a lot of people who thought, okay, maybe their connection, and, and the brother died, and spoiler alert, and the sister died. So there's a lot of people who were thinking before this film came out that, oh, maybe they're the brother and sister reincarnated, that that's why, you know, that's why they have such the connection that they do. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because obviously it ties in with the Force, and mm-hmm. obviously Ben does possess the Force. Right. And we do forget about that a lot because he's kind of a hybrid between the Force and the dark side yeah. at this stage. Yeah. So obviously there's that connection. So he's tracking Ray down, and he does show up at Burning Man. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what I'm just going to call it. Like, there's oh, yeah. no way. Cause yeah. Because I was just sitting there. It just reminded me of the scene from Matrix 2. Oh, yeah. Where there's the random party going yeah. on, and yeah. it makes no sense why. But obviously, Star Wars tried making a story of it, and then you see that the Knights of Ren and Kylo decided to crash the party, Yep, and they are going to find the ship that has the teleportation device to get to you know, Exc- Excal. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, there were some cool fighting scenes going yeah. on there, too. I mean, you saw the big one with Raid doing the leap over the That was fighter. awesome. Yeah, that was that was great to see. In, I, I would in say the, tr- the sh- uh, times it was in the trailers did not do it justice. No, it definitely did That didn't. was awesome. Because they, I think they were trying to save it. I mean, they gave yeah. enough teaser yeah. in the trailer yeah. that you weren't like, okay, I know what's going on. But to see the buildup for it, yeah, that was definitely cool. Yeah, it, it was funny, too, because she could sense him coming, and he knew where she was. Nobody else could, and she's like, all right, you guys go. I got to take care of something. And Finn and Poe are looking at her like, what are you nuts? Like, we got a ship. It can fly. We need to go. Yeah. And then they realize what she's doing, and they're like, she really is that crazy. Yeah, which, I mean, obviously, at, at this stage, I mean, the crew is comprised of Ray, Poe, Finn, BB-8, C-3PO, and Chewbacca, mm-hmm. which... Is your mainstays yeah. of you know the good mix of like the previous trilogies and now yeah so I mean I I thought that maybe we'd see a new character get introduced but we didn't and I was I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. obviously when this is going on they're trying to figure out how they're going to escape Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and obviously they come in contact with a dagger yep that is a key possibly to everything. Yeah, it, it's a key, and of course, C-3PO fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. He looks at it and goes, oh, this is in the ancient Sith language, and I can't translate that. And and uh, Oscar Isaac has a great line where he, I forget what exactly he is, but he's like, you're fluent in over 9 million forms of communication, and there's one you don't know? Yeah. And, and 3PO goes, no, it's not that I'm fluent. I'm not fluent in it. I know it. Just And he he's like halfway through an explanation that the, the language was outlawed by the New Republic, and he gets cut off. Yeah. So obviously they have to make a decision what they're going to do with the dagger. It's going to help them, you know, find the teleportation device and get where they need to go. And at this point, the first order is absolutely just taken over. Mm-hmm. The party, the party is over. Party's over. And this is where I had arguably my biggest issue with the movie. One, okay. of, one of them. Okay. All right. So they do where Ray is out. And she's having that moment with Kylo, and yep. nobody's really sure what's going on, and yep. they're trying to escape, and you know the beat up ship that they find because the Falcon's been commandeered at this point. Uh huh. And Chewbacca is captured, right? Because he's trying to find Ray, or he's off the ship, right? If I remember right, Finn or Poe said, "Hey, go get Ray and tell her we're leaving," or something like that, right? Yeah. So at this point, we see him being captured, right? And to my recollection, there was only one ship. Uh huh. So then we see what I thought would have been a cool moment in the movie is Ray sees the ship taking off and she's trying to use the force to bring it down, but let alone she's now shooting lightning out of her hands. Yeah. Which causes the ship to explode. It's never a good thing if you're shooting lightning out of a ha- out of your hands. If uh, you're looking at kind of like a moral a moral compass or a moral meter, you know, like a gas meter on your car, uh, it's skewing towards the evil side. Right. So obviously... The ship blows up, and we all think Chewbacca's on it. I did. I did, and I'm going, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. That she doesn't, she's losing control of her powers, an accident happens, Chewbacca is killed, it's a sad moment. Right, and and, and going into it, we all kind of thought 3PO was going to die in some fashion because there's the trailer shot where he says, having one last look at my friends. So it's kind of like, okay, Luke, Han, and Leia are gone, 3PO might be gone, looks like Chewie's going to be gone. It's kind of like, okay, like the original cast isn't going to make it out of this. Kind of like, all right, we're passing on the torch. Right. So at this point, we're like, okay, the stakes are that high. Mm -hmm. Chewbacca has has been killed, which is a big moment. You you actually heard people gasping in the theater. I did. Oh, I did too. I was like, oh, but I'm like, okay, here we go. If you're talking Star Wars and you want to add gravity to the situation at hand, you need a big moment. Mm -hmm. This should have been it. 
And then obviously we, we progress where the rebellion is sitting there dealing with a loss. Right. Ray can't figure out like what the heck is going on. So she's she's so she's second guessing herself. Yeah. So she's all tweaking out. And then they take off to a planet that Poe knows because mm-hmm. he's like, I have a way that we might be able to. <laughs> he's, he's digging into his past that he hasn't talked about. Right. So he's like, oh, I know somebody that can do a favor. And they wind up on a planet that mm-hmm. basically Poe did not leave on the best of terms. No, to say the least. Right. So obviously they go to, I believe it's called Kajimi. Uh, yes. So they go to Kajimi. And Poe is trying to find some old friends, and he runs into a Zori Bliss. Played by one Carrie Russell. Yes, which we didn't see her actually get mentioned until the end credits, so obviously we knew she was tagged in the movie. Right. Very cool role. Yeah. I, I thought she did an excellent job. It added film. a lot of cool stuff to Poe's background. Right. So they go through the whole story, and then we actually meet a new rival, shall we say, to Baby Yoda. Yeah, no, the, uh, if there's a 1-1-A in the cutest thing in Star Wars right now, it's uh, Baby Yoda and this thing. You can rank them however you feel. It is one Babu Frick. Yeah. Just the cutest thing in the world. I know Rich from 3FN is like, he's greater than Baby Yoda. I wouldn't go that far. At, at me about it. You know, Rich, Rich, Rich will have that discussion. But we see that they find a way to extract the Sith talk out of c3po right they, well because well, at this point the dagger is captured if i'm not mistaken it, the, sith, the sith daggers captured oh that's right sith daggers captured so they're like oh we got to get it there's like they're they're literally in at a dead end we're like we need this dagger and what's on the on the dagger to get the next step we can't just turn and it's another case of we can't just turn around and with our tail between our legs and, and kind of like let things go so then they realize so three people just cat and i gotta say the writing and the, they did with some of three people's lines in this was probably the best they've ever had in the franchise he was an absolute riot in this entire film because this was some of the best writing i feel like they've ever given him in the entire franchise because at this point they've lost the dagger it got captured when chewy got captured on their ship and they think it's gone whatever it is they don't have it and they're like we need this dagger to get to the next step in our their mission we can't move on without it but how are we going to get it how are we going to get there we don't know what to do and 3po just casually goes oh well i've got it recorded in my memory bank yeah he has it recorded in the memory bank but at the same time they figure out that chewbacca is alive yeah and they pull the swerve not even that many minutes after the fake explosion Mm -hmm. i thought what they should have done is drug that out to the very end right like okay you can go find the dagger, but you can't find Chewie. Chewie's still alive, and you can bring him back at the end if you want. Sure. But to do that bait and switch that quick? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, that just did not resonate. I'm like, okay, you're telegraphing it, which to me says you were trying to play it way too safe. I mean, I could, I would have been all right if they would have held off on the reveal that he was still alive a little bit later. But at the same token, I'm not mad they did it when they did it. No, it's like, for me, I was. I was like, okay, this is JJ saying, okay, we're not going to do anything too crazy. We don't want to take a shot to in something because well, the last time they tried to kill chewy in the uh legends was they dropped a moon on him yeah which is what is but i figured that okay obviously coming off the heels of the last jedi they was going to be interesting to see how much fan service they were going to do sure to do the quick flip i just did not connect with me i was like you are playing it way too safe mm-hmm. but i digress because then they make the big rescue attempt on the empire ship mm-hmm. and then we find out who the spy is yeah it's uh one general hux yes whose motivation was simply i hate kylo ren yeah which is true i mean you you think back 
to the last Jedi and after the the throne room scene and he's standing there and Kylo is quote unquote unconscious and he's just like what happened and Kylo's like she killed the supreme leader I'm in charge now and and General Hux is like no you're not like there's a whole process to this and he gets force choked and Kylo goes no I'm the supreme leader and General Hux goes okay you're the supreme leader like you can tell he doesn't like him yeah so obviously you see the big reveal that he's sitting there setting up Kylo for everything it was a cool toy. Like yeah. I, I, I liked how they toyed with the audience with that because it made sense. He wasn't trying to help save the universe. Mm-hmm. He just hates Kylo. He just hates Kylo. Boom. I, I think his line was, I hate you, I hate him even more. Yeah, which is a really gussy call, but it helped them do what they need to do. Yeah. You have the big rescue. Ray is on there, and she finds the actual dagger. Mm-hmm. And during this time, Kylo is on uh, Kimiji, and... He is searching frantically for everybody. Like he's overturning every like cart, every stand, every chair, looking for. Right. So at this point, they're doing this force connection again, or whatever you want to define it as, the yeah. psychic bond. And at this point, we have the big reveal mm-hmm. of who Ray's parentage is. Yeah. And Pad, who is it? She is the granddaughter of uh, Sheev Palpatine. Yes, so that was a big reveal because yeah. everybody was saying, "Okay." I mentioned, I I admit, I thought that she was related to Obi Wan. I thought so too. But it made the, sense. But with the lightning, you had to think, okay, maybe that was much of a tip off. Maybe. And I was just thinking, like, okay, maybe we're going in a different direction. Like, maybe the dark side is closely creeping in on her. But apparently, with the you know her family line, mm-hmm. we know differently. And then she's you know slowly getting images of what happened to her parents. Yeah. And how they, you know, she was abandoned on Jakku to obviously be saved. Right. And it, and it kind of keeps intact the, okay, your parents were nobodies because, well, they, they were. They were. They were just average Joe, average Jane who, you know, just happened to be related to one of the most evil people in the entire galaxy. But you'd have to almost wonder, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. If her parents are essentially the children of Palpatine, uh-huh. or one of them is yeah, her daughter, the father, her father. Like, wouldn't he have the Force or Dark Side in him? I'm almost wondering, and I think I said this to Brian after we saw the movie, and I've said this to a couple people. I'm almost wondering, because of just timing in Star Wars and her and the whole nine, I'm almost wondering if her father isn't a clone of, of Palpatine. Because I, is timing in him and his death just, I you know... I can't imagine any person looking at that shriveled up old face and going, yeah, let's, you know, you know, with him. I almost wonder if the father isn't a clone because he's already he's already shown that cloning or at least something akin to cloning is a thing back at the beginning of the film when you saw the half versions of Snoke. Yeah, that, you know, there was that whole thing going on. So I'm almost wondering if her father isn't just a clone of him. It would make it would make more sense. Or I figured that maybe the real father is still out there and left the child with these two nobodies. Maybe. And I mean, who knows? That was another kind of gray area, too. I was thinking it was like, well, why is Palpatine trying to hunt down his own kids? But, you know, I digress. Mm -hmm. So we now have that big reveal. And obviously, when uh, what you call it, they make their big escape, they escape with the Falcon and they get off the plane. Mm -hmm. Hux decides, well, you know what? There's no business like show business, and <laughs> he gets taken out rather quickly. Yeah, well, because he's letting them go. He's giving them their shit, the Falcon back, and then he has the idea, and smartly, oh, hold on, you got to injure me. you got to give me some sort of wound because it's going to be a little suspicious if I go back to them. You escaped, and I wasn't injured in some way. He's like, shoot me in the arm. Shoot me in the arm. And, and Finn's like, why? 
He's like, well, because blah, 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 blah. And Finn thinks about it, raises his blaster and shoots him in the leg and just leaves. I was like, all right, that's funny. Yeah, no, that was a good, uh, a cool moment in the movie because obviously Hux has been pulling the charade on everybody until he's killed. Uh-huh. Because Kylo is not messing around with him. Oh, it wasn't even Kylo. It was the, oh, it was the other general. It was, the, it was the other general who, if I remember the one line in the film right, served under Palpatine in some capacity back in the uh, Empire days, the original trilogy days. Yeah. So, he, you know, he turns around and... and Hux is explaining to him that they escaped and they took him out and this and that. And he's just like, oh, all right. Hand me your blaster. Bam. Yeah. See, I always forget because Kylo is just in there killing like everybody to this right, point. Because I think it, and I think at this point, Kylo is still on the planet having his moment with Ray. Yeah. Which, like I say, they go back and forth with the psychic plane. Like, I mean, I understand it's supposed to be tied to the force. But sure. It, 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 it was for some cool moments. Oh, it definitely made some, some cool visuals. It was yeah. just kind of got confusing at points. Like, okay, well, where are they? Is this like the astral plane, like the X-Men? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe I got of it. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. we're supposed to be bonded. Like, why is this getting kind of weird? And obviously, they go make their triumphant escape. They have the coordinates to get to Kef Beer, mm-hmm. which has the teleportation device to yep. get to where Palpatine is, and where do they run into, though? They run into probably a greater portion of the wreckage of the second Death Star. Yeah, on Kif Beer, which I thought was kind of interesting that they tied it into the second Death Star. I mean, it made sense. It was cool to see the second Death Star. I mean, that's where the Empire ended and Palpatine supposedly met his end. You know, and it was cool to see, although I kind of questioned the fact that the throne room survived a thermonuclear explosion, but eh, Star Wars, I'll suspend disbelief. Reasons. Yeah, I'll suspend disbelief. But it was cool to see and, and definitely interesting to see her. It, it was definitely interesting to see Ray climbing through kind of the remains of that portion of the Death Star and like, you know, she's climbing through the the hallway at one point and there's all the, the Empire Stormtrooper helmets that I got left behind and she's kind of like hearing and, and feeling what went on there. Right. So obviously this time Kylo is still making the connection. They kind of have that battle on top of the Death Star wreckage because, mm-hmm. I mean, she decides to leave the group and go whitewater rafting her by herself. Yeah. yeah, she did. She's like, she at this point, she's like full tilt. We can't wait. We have to do this now. Meanwhile, she's getting told by everybody there, like, no, listen, we got to wait till morning. If you go out now, you'll die. Yeah, but she is not waiting. Obviously, that she is not handling the information she has very yeah. well. And she has made it just her mission to take down Palpatine herself, even though she knows that she is her, her granddaughter well, and or it, his granddaughter. Right. right. And and she's like you said, she's not handling it well. And it's even to the point where Poe's kind of sitting there going, all right, what in the world is going on here? Why is she flying off the handle like she is? And, and even Finn goes, listen, something's not right. Like something is wrong here. Yeah. Finn has definitely had an interesting role in this movie, I thought, too, mm-hmm. because he does the big fake out where he's trying to say that he's trying to tell Ray something this yeah. entire time. Right. We later find out, and Pat, you you informed me of this, yeah. uh, what he was trying to say, too. Yeah, so there's, of course, the scene back on uh, Burning Man where, you know, they're sinking and he's getting, Ray, I, I need to tell you something. I've been waiting to tell you it. And everyone was thinking he's going to tell her I love you. That's not the case. J.J. Uh, Abrams was doing a Q&A after a screening someplace and said somebody asked him and he said that he was trying to tell Ray that he was force sensitive. Yeah, which, okay. I mean, it, it, it explains why later in the film... There's that moment where I think Ray quasi dies or whatever it is, and, and Finn's just kind of like Ray, and he's just like he has the same moment that Leia had when Han died back in Force Awakens. So I mean, it kind of explains that. Yeah, it, it kind of did. It I, just feels like kind of like a forcing to throw in on the third movie. Yeah, like I said, it was another thing I like. Like I didn't like about it. It was like okay, you have this big reveal, but you never did it. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't hear about a panel, 
Right. We never would have known because, I mean, they were trying to set up, what, the big love affair, which, I mean, that was another thing, too. The whole nonsense with Rose, mm-hmm. they completely retconned out of there. Yeah. That romance was gone. So she was in the, I saw it on Twitter today, she was in the film for at least less than 60 seconds. Yeah. If not a little more. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, she was one and done. Like, she was, it was very gone. Short. Which I, I, again, Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran, she did a great job in in Last Jedi with what she had, mm-hmm. but in this one it was like, yeah, she know, almost got the Jar Jar treatment. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you know, next movie, please. Which is not fair to her, but no. but it was just like I understand like another point. Like I say, JJ was really trying to do a lot of fan service, trying to do fan service and really trying to like wrap up a lot of stories and a lot of extra stuff that like listen some stuff just had to fall by the wayside. Yeah, so I mean, take it for what it is. I just thought it was kind of a waste of her time and and just with how they kind of just flipped and just retcon that whole thing without even like explaining. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So at this point. We're seeing Rey is doing the final battle, so to speak. And at this point, we see Princess Leia is trying to make one last plea with Kylo, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, really. Which is something Maz Kanata kind of alluded to that, you know, that the, when it came time, there was only going to be one thing she was going to be able to do to bring her son back. Yeah. And she was not exactly happy in Sunshine when she said it. So you had a feeling it wasn't going to be anything good. No, it wasn't. But obviously that she's trying to make, you know, the call through, you know, the, the psychic ability, the force. Mm-hmm. And she's really trying to plead with him and, and really just burns her own energy out. Much mm-hmm. like how Luke did in The Last Jedi. Yeah. So obviously this is where they write off Princess Leia. This almost got me. This almost got me. Like I was I was a little misty eyed. Well it, it well, if you've been following Star Wars and such a big fan as yourself, yeah, it's gonna hit. Like for me, I'm going, okay, it, it definitely had a moment where I was like, Okay, like this is a proper send off. Right. I I was like, Okay, this is a good send off. It made me a little upset. What really got me was when they got back. Uh, Finn and Poe got back, and they were like, oh, we need to tell the general something. And then her aide or whatever was like, the general's gone. What really got me was Chewie's cry. Right. That, like, he just dropped to his knees, screamed. Yeah. That that was what got me. Well, that made sense, because obviously how much they've gone through the years. Uh Uh-huh. So that made sense. But during this whole battle of, like, trying to redeem Kylo, and you have to kind of wonder, you've been trying to do this now for three movies. Yeah. It's not happening. No, and even I didn't think it was it was doable just because of you know how far gone he was that you know it wasn't like with vader where okay the fourth movie he's an evil bastard who's just killing people Mm -hmm. but at least in the fifth one okay he knows you know there's a part of him that remembers he's a skywalker and that oh this is anakin skywalker's son that's my son so like there's at least like if he were true 100 percent in on the Sith side he'd been like nah kill him get rid of him Kylo was killed his father, almost killed his mother in the Last Jedi. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, there's no redeeming this guy. Like he's full in. Exactly, and that was another problem I had with the film. How do you try flipping your big bad who killed Han? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's not forget this. Sorry if I spoiled that from Force Awakens, but hey, we're it's already, four we're, years ago. We're deep now. All right. You kill Han. Yeah. You nearly kill Leia. Yeah. Now suddenly. You're finding your way back to the force, like and I understand another point I had an issue with. Mm-hmm. Ray now has a healing factor she can use. Well, I mean, they kind of inter- they kind of alluded to it in the Mandalorian, and as we see later in the film, you can't just you know whip it out willy nilly and just do it. it. There comes a cost to it. But I think in regards to the Kylo story, I would and what I was kind of thinking might happen, and I would have been okay with, and I'm I'm still okay with what happened in the film. But I think what would have made a lot of sense is. You know, okay, they face off with Palpatine. They take down Palpatine. He realizes he gets played and goes, you know what? I'm too far gone to to stay 
there's no redeeming this. I'm just going to go off into exile. I'm just going to go off on my own. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to find a good way to sum that up. But, no, you're right. I mean, there was really kind of no good way about this. And then to have Ray after she impales Kylo, heal him. Yeah. I was like, yet again, we're telegraphing. Like, why? I, I Like I said, I guess that's kind of where I had the issue in the second act. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, you're going to impale him, but now you're going to heal him. All right. And then she obviously finds a way to get to Exegol where mm-hmm. Palpatine is. All the meanwhile, she's transmitting the coordinates from when she does her brief hyperspace jumps to the resistance, giving them the path to Exegol. Yeah, because at this point she's connected with Luke yep. and his spirit. You know, Mark Hamill does what Mark Hamill does, even though he reminded me of the Big Lebowski for some reason. I don't know, or the Thorbowski, however you want to define it. When it's I the saw, beard. When I saw him, I'm like, my God, are, yeah. we, are we really going to cross over? Yeah. If, if Chris Hemsworth came out and, and said something, I would have like, lost it. That would have been funny. It would have been amazing. That would have been great. But obviously she gets the influence from Luke to you know pick up the lightsaber one more time and mm-hmm. get the X-Wing. Out of you know whatever swamp it's been. Total callback to Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, loved it exactly. So she goes Inclu- on, including the same music. Oh yeah, no, the music was on point with this too. They definitely did a good job with this. And then obviously at this point too, she's meeting with her mentor, and you almost want to think Kylo is now having this vision of meeting his. Mm-hmm. Which lo and behold, who comes back one last time? The ghost of Han Solo himself, yep. Harrison Ford. Yeah, did not see that coming did, at all. Did not. 2019 is such a weird year, man. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have that final send-off from Han Yep. that basically... I forgive you. Yeah, which, okay. <laughs> I, like, I'm sorry. Like, I understand it's supposed to be the redemption story, but I'm just like, for real? Yeah. Okay, like all is forgiven now. I see, I thought the touching moment was when they they almost did a verbatim recall back to force awakens where he's like i know what i have to do but i don't have the strength to do it and then he he goes listen i i i like he tries to say it but he just can't say it and han just goes i know yeah which i mean it is what it is but you figure okay he's gone now you killed your father mm-hmm. or there's there's no coming back like there's no him going, hey you're bad i get it it's cool mm-hmm. but obviously we now revert back to ben solo mm-hmm. that kylo ren is no more and obviously, this is where we start going into the final battle, and everything's finally set up. Kajimi is blown up, yeah, because the emperor is like, okay, the, the emperor's attached a Death Star style laser to the bottom of every star destroyer he's built in the last thirty years, which is brilliant. Oh my god, yeah, brilliant. Like how could that was the it, that was the Death Star's? Say what you will about the Death Star, as awesome as it might be, or as corny as it might be, that was one of the best things it had in the laser. So, and one of the issues the Death Star had was that it didn't move all that well. So, why don't we fix the movement issue and put it on a Star Destroyer? And we'll get rid of, like, the one button in the center of the ship uh-huh. to blow up. Well, and if I remember right, they said that there was enough ships to take out every planet in the galaxy, which is a lot of ships. Yeah. So, I was like, okay, you're, re- like, really, this is, like, if you don't stop him, you're not coming back from this. Well, this is where, like I say, you finally get to the to the third act, and this is where you have that big fight feel. Mm-hmm. You need to have this if you're going to end the saga of 40-plus years. Yeah. You can't go out on a whimper. you got to go full tilt. Mm-hmm. Like the end of the galaxy, everybody ain't making it home. Good night. Drive home safe. Yeah. This is the moment you finally get, because once Palpatine shows just a little show of force, a little action of mm-hmm. what he can do, Yeah. this is where you go, okay, if every ship has this, Every planet in the galaxy is in danger. Now we have the big threat established. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, the Resistance is making their final plea, 
which Poe and Finn are now generals of the resistance. Yep. Which say what you will. I it, it was kind of like the Disney moment where well, okay. I mean they never really established and even back to the originals they never really established a, a, a chain of command you know outside of you know whoever was just given the the speech or the battle plan that like okay Leia Leia's gone she was obviously in charge General Holdo from the last one was obviously second in command because she took over when. Leia went down with her mm-hmm. in her coma. Now that she's dead, it's kind of like, all right, we really don't know who else is in charge after that. So, and it, I, I think at least in the film, they kind of alluded to like a will or something like that. Like, hey, you know, Poe's in charge. Yeah, and it, it kind of happened. Yeah, they said it was Leia's last rights that she put both of them in charge. And right. It was like, all right, well, I guess let's let's make it happen. So obviously they make the final run to everybody's going for the emperor and the final battle. Right, they take their meager meager forces to Exegol to, to fight on the emperor. All the meanwhile, Lando is now helping them after being very reluctant because my flying days are over. He shows up and and takes the Falcon into the into the deeper part of the galaxy into the core, basically broadcasting their message to everybody on a wider band saying, Hey, listen, we'll get the forces to show up. You guys go take care of things. Yeah. Which I thought was a good move. Yeah. I, I thought that made a lot of sense. And plus you want to give Lando that final heroic mm-hmm. run, which uh, say what you will. I mean, his character has definitely gone through its ups and downs. Sure. But to end on a heroic note. Yeah. I mean, and see him back behind the wheel of the Falcon. If, if Han can't be there. Yeah. It's gotta be him. Oh yeah. It had. Oh yeah. So obviously at this point, the final battle is staging. You have Ray show up and confront Palpatine, mm-hmm. and this has all been the plan. Like I say, Palpatine went house of cards this entire saga, uh-huh. and he says, "All right, so here's the deal: you're gonna kill me. I'm gonna transfer into you. Galaxy is Mars, yeah, uh-huh. like it's ours. Like you know, more or less. <laughs> so the galaxy as grandfather and granddaughter. Yeah, which, doesn't quite roll off the tongue as father and son, but hey, no, but hey, reasons. And you know what? It, it, it happens. And at yeah. this point, you see the rebellion make its suicide run. Yeah, to try stopping the the Starfleet. Well, yeah, because the Starfleet, because of the way the planet works, they need to be guided up into to take off. So, all right, our plan is we're going to take out this tower because that's the guiding thing to help get the ship up into the air. And once that that's destroyed, they're they're, they're you know they're uh, sitting dead in the water and they can't move anywhere. All right, so they go to attack that. The first order quickly realizes, oh, this is what they're trying to do. All right, shut that down and transfer it to us. And they go, all right, hold on, not working. Got to redo the plan here. Yeah. So, obviously, that was a cool moment, too. I will say, like I said, the third act, I really sold the movie for being enjoyable for me. Yeah. Because you saw them fail, Mm -hmm. as they should have. Yeah. Not saying that they shouldn't win the day, but if you're thrown in that for the first time ever, and let's face it, Poe is not the smartest guy in the room. No, he's definitely a little green behind the ears when it comes to, you know, he's good at leading a small group or a fighter squadron, but when it comes to leading everything, a little green. Exactly, and Finn was just following along for the lead, mm-hmm. which is like, but this is to be expected because they're not trained to lead everybody. Right. And, and he was really just making, you know, making stuff up as they go. It's like in the fifth Harry Potter book where, you know, he's finally telling the story and it's a cool scene in the book. If you ever read it, you know, where he's, they're having a meeting in a pub and he's, and everyone's asking him about stuff he's done in the past. And he's like, Oh, they're like, Oh, but you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. And he's like, listen, half the time I was just making it up as I went and hoping it worked. Yeah. 
Which so, is what they're doing here. Exactly, because they're thrusted in this role, which, like I say, that was another thing. Like, okay, you're going to be made generals. All right, reason. Right. It's like, okay, you're made generals. Okay, you're a little bit deserving of that, given what you've done and the heroes that you are. But then you're also thrown into the biggest battle in galaxy history. Yeah, maybe not the best ploy. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. But then again. If you lose, we're all kind of dead in the galaxies in the crapper. See, you know who they shook out? Jar Jar, because he was smart enough in the Senate. He wouldn't be smart enough to figure this out. I digress. Anyway, so we have the big battle scene, which made a lot of sense. And you see Finn, who is teaming up with Janna, mm-hmm. who was uh, another ex-stormtrooper. Ex-First Order trooper, yeah. Yeah, like the whole like connection ordeal there was going on. Which, really, a very, a very much a backstory akin to Finn that they got put through the training, much like he did. And then her squad went to a, a planet. I They said what, where, I forget where. And that they were ordered to kill an entire village of people, and the entire squad said no. Yeah. That they were not okay with it. And Finn's like, wait, there's more of us? Yeah, exactly, which I thought gave some more depth to his character. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, they really haven't touched upon his character that much. No. Of, of all the new three. I mean, they've hinted at some stuff in some of the books they've done, but it's nothing major. Well, they've hinted, but I guess that's another thing about the saga in general, that they haven't really developed the main three of mm-hmm. Poe, Finn, and Ray. Like, they've touched upon it. Right. They, they've done right. little... But you're not as invested as you were with Luke, Han, and Leia, at I mean, least in my opinion. I mean, the only thing that I can remember offhand that they've kind of alluded to or kind of explained in one of the books, and it's not even necessary that you read it, was one of the, the e-books they put out after Force Awakens where there's the line in Force Awakens where Phasma says that he had one, like they, when they're figuring out, oh, it's FN2187 and yada, 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 he had one prior incident, but that's really it. The ebook is like maybe 50 pages and it revolves around that incident. And it's like, okay, you don't really need this. No, you don't, but it is what it is. So obviously, you have Ray doing the standoff with Palpatine. Ben, or the artist formerly known as Kylo, mm-hmm. Ben shows up. This, that whole fight sequence was awesome. Yeah, that was probably the best fight sequence. Because at this point, uh, Le- Ray has Leia's lightsaber and Anakin's lightsaber. Uh, which the interesting tidbit with this whole film had Carrie Fisher not died, the big thing at the end of the film would have been her fighting as a Jedi. Yeah, which would have been awesome to see, oh, but unfor- unfortunately didn't happen. Yeah, no, that that would have been totally cool yeah. to see it happen. But obviously, you know, unfortunately, rest in peace. So to see that Ben is now taking up the role and he does have that fight with the Knights of Ren, which and, and I love that they're fighting him. He's unarmed. And they're beating him, but then Ray feel, feels through the force that he's there, that it's Ben, it's not Kylo, she knows what's going on. They make their little psychic connection, and she does one of, you know, a little drop behind her head, cut back to, to Ben, and he all of a sudden pulls out the Anakin's lightsaber, ignites it, looks at him and just kind of shrugs and looks at him like, are we going to resume this? Yeah, which, I mean, that was a cool moment. Like I said, that entire fight sequence was, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So as he finally gets to meet up with Ray, it's the final standoff between the, those two and Palpatine, and mm-hmm. Palpatine is absorbing their force energy, Yeah. and it looks like all is lost. And then arguably one of the best moments of the movie, would you say, is when Ray is ready to give up, and she knows she's defeated. Mm-hmm. And at this point, she's knowing that the Jedi Resistance Force is getting wiped out because mm-hmm. they're completely outgunned because they don't have any help coming. Yeah. And she's losing hope. Mm-hmm. And then she starts hearing voices. Uh-huh. And she, well, and at this point, we got to remember, Ben got punked out. Yeah, he, he got punked. He got punked out hard because he he finally beats the Knights of Ren, gets through there, finally gets down to there, and gets, like you said, they get their, their Force essence, whatever, absorbed a little bit. He charges it. Palpatine and Palpatine's like, huh. Hey, 
flick. Yeah. Nice, nice try. So, like you said, at this point, Ray's ready to give up, and then she starts hearing voices. But it's not just any voices. There are some rather, rather well-known voices. Break it down for us. So the voices uh, she ends up hearing, and it's a really cool line, where I think before sh- this happens, Palpatine has a line that, I am all the Sith embodied. Yeah. And then she hears uh, Hayden Christensen's voice as Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, that was wild. She hears Olivia Dabo's voice as Luminara Unduli, who was uh, from Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, she hears Ashley Eckstein's voice uh, as Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Rebels. Rebels. Uh, she hears Jennifer Hale's, yes, that Jennifer Hale's voice uh, as Ayla Sakura from Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, she hears Samuel L. Jackson's voice as Mace Windu. Uh, Ewan McGregor's voice as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Alec Guinness's voice as old Obi-Wan Kenobi from Archive Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Oz's voice as Yoda. Uh, Angelique Perrin as Adi Gallia's voice from Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, she hears Freddie Prince Jr.'s voice as Kanan Jarrus from Star Wars Rebels. And then also Liam Neeson's voice as Qui-Gon Jinn. I was going to say, when I heard Liam, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that, uh, I got goosebumps. My only issue with that scene... It would have been so much better if you saw their image. Like yes. Force Ghost. Yes. I went into this movie because Hayden Christensen has not had anything to do with the Star Wars franchise from the time press was done for Revenge of the Sith up until Celebration this past year. Yeah. Where he showed up to Celebration and it was him and Ian McDiarmid on the on the main stage. He's really had nothing to do. So I'm like, oh, my God, he's coming back. He's going to have something to do with Rise of Skywalker. I wanted so desperately. Now, I didn't think we were going to get Ahsoka's voice and and Kanan's voice, which were awesome. But I figured, all right, we're probably going to see Anakin, Yoda, and Obi-Wan show up as Force Ghosts on screen. Would have loved it if they showed up, but they didn't, and this is still awesome. No, it definitely was awesome. I just thought that would give so much more impact. Oh, yeah. Because when you see them appear on screen, and if Hayden had appeared on screen... People would have marked out more than they did for the Endgame portal scene. They would have lost their mind. Oh, I would have. Yeah, with the Endgame portal scene, maybe. I'll I'll say maybe. They would have marked out more. Yeah. Maybe. But if he showed up... But if you get get Anakin and Mace and and Ewan and, and Liam to walk out, in like as force ghosts or appear as force ghosts with their lightsabers without in the Jedi robes that would have been incredible. Maybe Disney Plus will add them. Maybe when it goes there because you know like they like tampering with the films. Maybe so we can only hope. Yeah. So obviously this is what sparks the hope back in Ray. Right. And, which, she, and she says, you know, I am all the Jedi embodied. Yes. Yeah, so obviously they have the big standoff. Mm-hmm. And how does that fight go, Pat? Uh, it, she ends up winning the day. The, she turns the power back on him and, you know, basically Thanos dusting him. Yeah, she Thanos dusts him for the most part. During this point, too, you see that Lando's call for help was answered. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, so it was almost like you touched upon the Avengers movie. It was a lot of similarities with that. Oh, yeah, a lot of ships showed up, and, and it was funny. The First Order uh, main guys you know, that were on the ships were like, where did they assemble this this fleet from? There's no way they could have this fleet. And the and the other officer goes, "This isn't a fleet. This is average people." Yeah, which goes to the whole idea of average people rising up and, mm-hmm. and doing what's right. And you start seeing cameos from all the different genres that they've covered of yeah. the alien races. And you see, yep. uh, Carrie Russell's character comes back, and she yep. made it off Kajimi there. Yep. And just to see just little like tie-ins they've I'll had. say, interestingly enough, you had, uh, I'm blanking on his name because I'm looking for it, uh, you had Wedge Antilles uh, show up again because that actor hasn't had anything to do with Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I was going to say. We Wedge, Antil- Wedge showed up, so that was awesome. 
Yeah, no, they definitely did a lot of throwbacks, which was great. I'll say, uh, yeah, no, it was it was awesome to see and just like I, I had a feeling that the battle with all those ships was going to be big because it was a very tightly contained shot in the trailer. Then I'm like, all right, there's going to be a lot of ships here. Was not expecting that many. Right. So obviously at this point. The Jedi forces are winning the day, or the, mm-hmm. the Republic, should I say, rather. The Resistance is definitely overtaking the Empire. And down on the ground, you see that Rey is feeling the effects of the of the final blow with Palpatine, mm-hmm. where she might dust him, but she was basically yeah. technically killed herself. I mean, it took everything she had. Because biggest, baddest guy, most powerful force user in all of existence arguably yeah and and she de- defeated him so it took a lot out of her well right because she's standing there with all the lightsabers too and she's fighting it back so obviously it took a lot out of her and then ben decides to do the whole healing factor too right and it appears at first that he's trying to but he's like i don't know if this is going to work i don't know if this is how you do this yeah so then he does save her mm-hmm. they have their little romantic moment yep. and then he dies at the cost of his own life yeah so he does have his redemption story which yeah. i was okay with yeah. i mean like i said a little predictable that I was like, okay, this is happening, and the whole alleged Finn romance that was out the window. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they completely retconned it when they were teasing him and Jana there, right? But Rave decides that you know she's tried to save him but can't, and they obviously deal with the loss of him. But the resistance has won the day, mm-hmm. so the Empire is quote unquote no more. Yep. There's a shot of Ewok, so I was fired up. I yeah. was not happy seeing them. Yeah. I'm not an Ewok guy. So no, yeah, that, that was funny. Uh, yeah. Warwick Davis did reprise his role as Wicket. Yeah, I think everybody in our row just looked over and just saw me go, "Oh, come on." Uh huh. So they have their little ceremony where you know it's the victory parade yet again, a la Jedi. Chewie finally gets his medal. Yeah, that 40 was forty years after he should have gotten it. That was a cool moment. Yeah, and everybody kind of has their final send off. Rose is completely ignored during the entire thing. She's just kind of like looking. I think at she's her. in the background. She's in the background. She's in the background. Like she was, like I said, she was just wasted this entire yeah. movie yeah. after she was hyped up for the last one. Yeah. And you see that Finn is kind of teasing the romance with Janna, but we also see that Janna is having a connection possibly with one Lando Calrissian. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know exactly. Disney if, Plus. Yeah. We, please. We figured something's going to be going on Disney Plus with that. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, everybody is celebrating the big win that the galaxy is free from the tyranny of the Empire. And as this is going on, Ray dis- leaves the party. Mm-hmm. Goes to one planet known as Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And during this time, she goes back, basically back to the Skywalker house. Yep, to the, the homestead. To the homestead. And buries the lightsabers. Yeah, no, and, and I like the little shot they did where she slid down the embankment of sand uh, on a piece of metal or whatever it is, calling back to the first film where they're the first film in the new in the new tr- trilogy where we first met her and she you know she slides down that big thing of sand on the by the wreckage of the star destroyer, kind of showing that okay, for as much stuff as she's gone through and as different as she is, she there's still that kid at heart in her. Right, which I mean it ties back to basically how luke was yeah at the beginning luke yeah. was a kid during this entire journey well, I go to tashi station to get some power converters exactly so obviously she buries luke and leia's lightsaber she has yep. her own which i i forgot to realize that she actually yeah. had her own and a passerby is basically asking like what she's doing no what are you doing here that that whole that place has been abandoned for years yeah and then she is asking you know what is your name and then she just goes ray and she looks off in the distance and sees the force ghosts of luke and leia and then she turns back and goes, Skywalker. Yep, fade to black. So overall, I mean, the movie is not as bad as people have been writing on critics and such. Right. 
was I blown away by it? No, but it was I, a good ending to the trilogy. But it was a good ending, except one, they didn't retcon the Boba Fett. Yeah, atrocity. Yeah, that I hope is rectified in Mandalorian. Uh, we so, are getting a season finale this week. Yes, so he. Had bet, and I'm already telling you this. If this happens, I am going to blow up on Twitter because I have been saying this for as long as I can remember since the Mandalorian came out. Boba Fett is going to pick up the bounty tracer mm-hmm. off the ground of somewhere, and that's how it's going to end. Fade to black. He's holding the tracer, looking for the Mandalorian, and he can just chase him until the end of the series. He doesn't need to come back for season two. Just at the end of the season, mm-hmm. they need to have the or the series. They need to have the standoff. That's what I want from that. So Boba came back or did not come back for this. Was there anybody else from the film that should have had an appearance that didn't? Not that I can think of. I mean, the only thing that was really confusing to me was the fact that uh, Ray, for a portion of the movie, was using Anakin's lightsaber again, and that thing got blown to smithereens in uh, the Last Jedi uh, during the throne room sequence. And I get that people are like, "Oh, well, it's said in something that she kept the pieces and put it back together." Okay, that's fine and dandy, but like. And on somebody saying something on screen would have been great because that to me for two and a half hours was the most confusing thing that I'm like, wait, that thing shattered into a million pieces. How is she using it again? Yeah, that was another thing, too. I mean, they, and it wasn't somebody else. It wasn't a lightsaber she built that just looked like it. She there was one point she said to Leia early in the film, I'll earn your brother's lightsaber. Yeah, so obviously how they depicted that. I mean, I guess you could call that uh, if you follow Marvel Comics, that's a no prize. I mean, they had a couple of hiccup moments. Like I said, the second act for me, they telegraphed the Chewbacca incident, and a lot of stuff you could tell they were coming, like mm-hmm. was coming down the pike. And I thought, in my opinion, JJ played it too safe. That I, Maybe. Th- I think he knew that the backlash, say what you will about The Last Jedi, that he knew he had to make a lot of fan service to make the ending happy. That I don't know if it really hurt the film. I think I understand where a lot of complaints are happening. Yeah. Because like I said... I wasn't sitting there going like this is the epic. Like uh-huh. like when I left Avengers Endgame, I was like, okay, this is how you end this. No stone was yeah. unturned. Yeah. This one they just felt like they played it a little too safe in my opinion. Like I said the second act did nothing for me really and I was kind of like, okay, this is very predictable, very you could see it coming. I just wish they would have done a little bit better with the pace because once it got started there was no kind of like you know, like you think of Return. It was of the, just go. It was just go. Like they're like with Return of the Jedi. There's the whole sequence where they're at the Ewok village and they're getting the story retold and they're in the tribe and Luke tells Leia he's her, her brother. Like that's kind of like all right, time to breathe, time to relax before we get into the final you know plunge. This was just kind of like all right, we're gonna go and there's no time to breathe. Right. I mean, this one was just go go go. And like I say, the big reveal came in the midway of the movie too, with that you know Ray was Palpatine's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, take another way, Daisy Ridley definitely did a great job in yeah. the film. Like I, yeah. like I said, I can't really complain about her, uh, Oscar Isaac, or John Boyega. Like, the the main three, I thought, did a good job. Yeah. I, I thought Finn, though, like I said, I've kind of struggled with him this entire film because I just didn't think he had enough going on. Right. Uh, at least in my opinion. And, and like I said, I think they borrowed a lot of elements from Jedi. No, they did. Like, the whole, like, yeah. t- you know, are we going to turn Rey to the dark side? Mm-hmm. A la, are we going to turn Luke to yeah. the dark side? yeah. And just to see how that wrapped up. I mean, I don't know. It just it, Like, a lot of that just didn't resonate. But I did feel that they closed out on the right foot. Yeah. I think that, minus my Boba Fett anger, that they tied up basically every loose end they could. Yeah, no, they did. I mean, you've, everyone holds the original trilogy in such high regards, and I agree with a lot of those points. To me, Return of the Jedi is the weakest of the ones. Yeah. Of the three. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, okay, I enjoyed this new trilogy overall. 
and did it end on a good note? Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's I, all. That's all that mattered for me. I was satisfied with it. Yeah. Like I was. I was not mad. I spent money on it. Yeah. Because I've walked out of th- movies and I've said like I hate that I've actually paid mm-hmm. to go get in here for this. This one. I think with the amount of hype going on with it, because you know the precedent that Star Wars is set, mm-hmm. it had to deliver. And I guess in some cases it did, and in some it didn't. Yeah. That I felt like there was a lot that could have been left on the, the – I thought they left on the table. Mm-hmm. And I thought that like a lot of stuff that was set up for Jedi – and I granted, like I said, I think J.J. played it a little safe. Sure. And reconned a lot of stuff. And I think that that's also what led to such a fast pace. Mm-hmm. That they basically were like, okay, we want to establish like this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. Yeah, and I was like, pause, man. Like, yeah, you you need to set up stuff a little more so that way you impact the audience that better. Mm-hmm. And I just like I, I really struggle with a lot of that. I mean, I wasn't mad about it. I thought they did the Carrie Fisher send off beautifully. Yeah, no, that was perfectly handled. That was perfectly handled. The Mark Hamill cameo I thought was great. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, other than he's the big Luke Bowski. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. yeah, it, like I said, the minute I saw him, I was like, he's a little bit. Lebowski. What can, what can you say there? And I mean, Adam Driver, like, I kind of just, I guess I struggle with Kylo Ren this entire time. Yeah. Just because he killed Han. He nearly killed Leia. Oh, okay, we'll have a redemption story. Yeah. Like, that's um, that's Jedi to a T. Like, I think they borrowed a lot from Jedi. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, the, just like, I guess for the expectation level, I think they missed at points, but I think they hit at others. Yeah. And I think overall, it's a good movie. It's not great, but I think if you're a fan of what the 40-plus years have been, you'll go home happy. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, what else can you ask for? No, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a good ending for the 40-year saga of the Skywalker saga. It's not the end of Star Wars. They are coming out with more films. There's uh, something coming out in 2022, I want to say. Uh, not sure what it is or who it's by, but they are doing other stuff. I think the smart thing for them to do would be to borrow a page out of the Marvel uh, Cinema or Marvel Studios playbook where there's the infamous... Uh, summit where they had all their directors, all their writers, all their producers come in for like a week and just kind of hammer out. All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. I think that'd be a smart thing to do with some with like say Dave Filoni, John Favreau, yeah, you know Ron Howard and some of the writers in the story group and and Kathleen Kennedy and and just some of those folks and go. All right, where do we want to go with this? Let's hash this out because. Yeah, they're done with the Skywalker saga. They're not done making Star Wars content. We've got Kenobi coming. We've got the, the other Disney Plus series coming. You know, you've got Clone Wars coming back for one more season. You know, you've got the the Ryan Johnson trilogy that's coming. You know, you've got so much other stuff coming down the pike. I think the smart thing for them to do, like I said, would be to borrow from Marvel Studios. Get, you know, get all those folks. Get, like, Timothy Zahn and some of the other authors in on the same room and go, all right, let's plan this out. What do we want to do? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, where do you think we go from here? And I think you nailed it right on the yeah. head. I mean, because isn't Kevin Feige... Kevin uh, Feige's got something. I It's hard to understand what it is. It's something Star Wars related. I, whether it's something he's directing, something he's producing. I don't know. I've seen both. You're right. So, I mean, obviously... He's got something coming. Then if he can give some advice about how they did the MCU, I'm not saying that they got to go copy the MCU Right, formula. right, because I don't think they can. No, but they all need to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. I think that that's another drawback from the film here. Mm-hmm. Because everybody noticed, and obviously it, it's blatant. Yeah, Force Awakens is a very different movie than Last Jedi, and Last Jedi is a very different movie than Return or Rise of Skywalker. Well, and especially if you can get all of the fronts, you know, books, comics, television, streaming, films on the same page, because you think about it, the same time you had this film trilogy going on set in the future of the timeline, you had a television animated series going on that was kind of taking place, at least when this whole franchise started, taking place 
before the original trilogy. You have the comics taking place at various points in the timeline. You have the Disney streaming stuff that's going to take place at various times. Like, just get everybody on the same page. Where are we going to go? What do we got to do? And go. But to end the saga on the note they did, I thought they closed out the Skywalker story very well. Yeah. I mean, I can't really find too many more faults with it because they ended and they ended everything as they needed to. Yeah. You had the cameos. You had the fan service. Yeah. It's what you want. It's, a, from it's the an, film. if you've grown up and you've watched the Star Wars films over the years. Is it a perfect movie? No. Are any of them perfect? No. Empire. Em- Empire's close, you know, but it, it's still an enjoyable end to the franchise. That, yeah. like I've seen a lot of people online who you know their father or mother or somebody in their family introduced them to the franchise way back when 70s 80s 90s 2000s that they haven't seen it a lot of the new movies but they've been kind of aware of them kind of keeping up with them and they come out of this film going all right that was awesome right and that's what you want because obviously the connections made throughout the years i mean this mm-hmm. is why star wars is obviously one of the biggest fan bases love them or hate them yeah of all nerdum, I yep. guess is the easiest yeah, way to describe it's, it. It's up there. I mean, you can have that discussion. It's definitely worth the discussion. We definitely want to have that discussion with you. So what did you think of Rise of Skywalker if you've seen it? If you haven't, why are you not seeing it by now? That's a good question, unless you can't get tickets. But let us know. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Star Wars closed out with Episode Nine. What is your thoughts? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Tyler, and we are the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And right now, you're listening to our boys, Ken M., Padawan J., and Coach Duffy over at the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this very short edition of the ODPH Podcast. It's been a crazy week for Padawan and myself, so Uh we are just going to kind of hit you with some one-shots and some stories that we didn't really get a chance to deep dive into before the show, but we definitely want to serve you up some content over the holiday weekend. So, Pad, what you got? Uh, Well, I got to talk about a series on Netflix that came out last week in amongst all the Star Wars craziness. You know, that I've got finally got a chance to sit down and watch and get through, and that is season one of The Witcher. Ooh, okay. Now, this is, of course, based off of the book series, video game series that are very beloved and very popular. I've played the third one myself. I highly recommend the third uh, Witcher video game, Uh, you know, starring Henry Cavill, which follows the tales of Geralt of Rivia, a Witcher, a monster hunter, and kind of his exploits and what goes on. Won't go too much into spoilers uh, because it's a great show that I highly recommend you watch. It's eight episodes. First season is very good. A uh, little too much jumping around and because it's it's not just jumping around from this place to that place to this place to that place. It's doing that, but it's also jumping in time. So the first couple, you know, first five or six episodes, you know, you can keep track of and you know who the characters are and you learn that. And, and at times it can be a little hard to follow because, you know, stuff takes place. And then you see in a later episode stuff that took before that stuff that took happened be- place before that. And they jump around. But once you get to episode seven and eight, that's where, okay, you, you got all the characters set up. It's all coming together. And that's where it really shines through. And I cannot wait for season two. Unfortunately, season two does not come until 2021. That's crazy. That's uh, going to be rough. But it is great. Uh, Henry Cavill does an amazing job as Geralt. Like, perfectly encapsulates just kind of the, the feel and the way he sounds and everything. that Even from just, like, the gruff tone of voice and kind of the deadpan 
way he delivers lines very much reminds me of the video game. And and just all the performances from top to bottom in the show are great. I mean, there's a song in the show that you can look it up on YouTube because they haven't put it out on iTunes or Apple Music or Spotify or anything. That please Netflix and the powers that be, if you can hear me, put this out to download on Spotify, Apple Music, or buy on iTunes. You know, it, there's a song that plays uh, in episode. I want to say it's two or three of the series where it's sung by one of the main characters that is awesome. You know, toss a coin to your witcher. If you, if you YouTube toss a coin to your witcher, you will see it's a song that plays in the credits of one of the episodes. It's an awesome song. The whole show is just great. That's yeah. I've been meaning to check that out between that and lost in space Mm -hmm. uh, season two. Yeah. Lost in space season two came out on Christmas Eve. Of course I was in the midst of finishing uh, witcher season one. So I haven't had a chance to start on that yet, but I will very soon. I've heard it's very good and I cannot wait to start on it. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be worth checking out the witcher. I mean, like I said, it's kind of gone back and forth. It just, it's very polarized. Just don't compare it to game of Thrones because they are very like, if you're like, Oh, you know, Henry Cavill is clearly playing as this character from game. No, they're no, it's like trying to, compare star wars and star trek in terms of like they're alike okay in t- certain ways yes overall no yeah you can't really do that i mean I, w- I would go so far as to say season one of witcher if you're trying to compare it to like you know darkness and kind of grimness of game of thrones is like season four or five of game of thrones okay now that it, is kind of a it gets dark yeah i was gonna say that gets a little kind of it you gets know, dark they're squeamish at a little points uh, i would highly recommend you not watch believe it's episode three in a public place uh watch that at home yeah you watch the episode you'll see why now do you think it's a proper adaptation to the video game uh well it's more based off of the books than the video game but in terms of the books even the video games it's a great adaptation because like i said henry cavill is very much a fan of the video games i think he said he's played through the third game at least three times which is no easy feat because you can clock in 40 50 60 hours in that video game and that's if you get off of playing Gwent, the card game, for 50 hours. You know, but he, he he very much is a fan, and you can tell that because just, like, the only thing missing from this show, and I, I've seen some jokes on the Witcher subreddit about it, that, like, the only thing he misses in this portrayal is when you're playing the game and a storm rolls up, he says something about the weather. Mm-hmm. Like, that's about the only thing missing from this, but even just from the way he says the horse's name to just how deadpan and gruff and, and kind of, like straight with you he is like he's a straight shooter like if something bad's happening he won't go oh darn that's too bad he'll just look at you and go fuck <laughs> well i mean that's a very cool thing to keep it mm-hmm. you know that up front and just to really capture the essence because obviously this show came in with a lot of hype behind it. yeah no and uh, and it's getting even more hype and deservedly so i saw today that it is now the number one rated show in canada that it's it surpassed Stranger Things up in Canada, and the other awesome thing with it too is the book's author. I f- I'm blanking on the name, and it's it's a Swedish Polish name, so I'm going to butcher the you know what out of it. Uh, gave his praise and, and said that like okay, you know, in the same way that Viggo Mortensen kind of embodied Aragorn and really brought Aragorn to life, he said Henry Cavill is the Witcher. That like if he goes to picture the Witcher now, he's going to see Henry Cavill as that character well that's what you want of your you know your work getting brought to the big screen mm-hmm. or small screen whatever it is you want to see that faithful adaptation yeah and anything less is just not really yeah gonna, no gonna yeah. I, and i could just gonna say if you are a, a fantasy fan you know like a lord of the rings game of thrones you know that type of fan where you like the fantasy you like you know the not so happiness you don't you know like 
you know, some of the older fantasy movies where it's bright and shiny and everyone's happy and everything's happy-go-lucky and, you know, Robin Hood steals the money and gives it to the poor. You know, like, if you want something like that where it's it's grounded in a little bit of reality, I won't say full reality because, well, there's monsters that don't exist in our world. Yeah. That you want something that's a good fantasy show, a little dark, a little grim, a little gory, it's a great show. No, definitely have to go check it out. That's something when uh, the schedule allows it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Right, right now is a very crazy time for Pat and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so trying to fit everything in has been very, very difficult. Well, absolutely insane. So yeah, we're hoping uh, after New Year's, I mm-hmm. think we'll have a little, little break in the action. Yeah, to catch up. So obviously, check that out on Netflix. And you know, speaking of, is your author going to be happy when your stuff is brought to the big screen or small screen? Uh, I right now he's happy with the small screen stuff, and I think they're going to keep it that way. But we'll see. How do you think Alan Moore's feeling right now? Uh, well, it's Alan Moore, so on any given day of the week, he's pissed off as all hell. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, you could you could have you know the greatest you can if you could bring back the greatest director of all time, and I won't say who because everyone's going to have a different opinion, and you can bring them together the greatest cast in existence. You know, like if you had a cast full of best Oscar winners and best actress winners and this and that, you know, he'd still hate it. See, because I was going to segue into Watchmen. Okay. Now, Watchmen actually had a big week in comics and TV okay. since, since we last talked. I haven't got a chance to do a blog, so I'll just kind of do one. Uh, spoiler free. I'm going to try for both. Okay. So, obviously, the HBO show did come out. A lot of hype and a lot of fanfare, obviously. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. Why are we even going near the property of mm-hmm. the masterpiece that is Alan Moore and Dave Gibson. Listed on the Times 100 Best Books of the 20th Century. Rightfully so. For the effect of how it depicts superheroes in a realistic world and basically changed the way we look at superheroes. Mm-hmm. That there is no defining good guy, bad guy. There are shades of gray and, and what makes up you know the complexity and, and psychology of, of heroes and where is the line drawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always been a fascinating read. So, obviously, when the show was announced, a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, me personally, because I was, like, very anti about this show. I have seen the show. I have seen every episode now. Okay. I think it was a good adaptation. Sure. I'm still not sure why we needed it. Yeah, okay. But I'm not mad about it. Okay. I thought they did proper justice to the book. They took some liberties. They borrowed a lot, though. Sure. In my opinion. Sure. They, they really borrowed a lot from Watchmen. And a setup, but I thought that they definitely did a lot of cool things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they really were trying to establish the core essence of what is Watchmen, and just to modernize it to you show the after effects of you know what's happened to the characters. Since obviously Ozymandias did what he did in um, the original Watchmen book, which right. if you haven't read, you need to read it. It is by far and away one of the best comics out mm-hmm. of ever. Like you just you need to have it in a collection, and if you can actually you know do that and really read that book thoroughly before you watch the show, you'll appreciate the show that much more because they really took a lot of liberties from where the story was set up. Uh, some of it worked, some of it didn't, uh, in my opinion. But overall, I mean, I definitely really liked it. Regina King's character of Sister Knight was amazing. And definitely added a nice shot of fresh air into the show. And where they kind of showed how everybody has panned up. 
um, to the reveal of Gene Smart's character, and you see where she has been this entire time. Mm-hmm. To obviously, Jeremy Irons was just eating scenery as Adrian Vite. Well, I mean, Jeremy Irons eats scenes no matter what he's in. Yeah, I mean, he was great, but I thought his story overall, like, just kind of fell flat. Like, I didn't really. I understand what they were trying to do, but it just didn't really, really impact as yeah. much as I thought it should. Um, just because they were kind of messing around until the very end. But once they get to the final episode, you have that much more appreciation for it. Okay. And how they kind of tie in each loose end character per se from the original book, I thought was very well done. I mean, there's definitely the Rorschach um, change of events, so to speak. Sure. I understand it. Didn't really like it as much. But like I say, they did take some liberties. And especially Lewis Gossett Jr.'s character. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that that origin story was phenomenal. Okay. Arguably the best episode of the series. And where they go touching upon uh, the events from the comic, because like I say, they don't follow anything. Like the movie is there, but this you need to really read the comic to have a, a really good appreciation for it. And just how they tie it up. I thought they did well. I don't think they need another season mm-hmm. at all. I, in fact, I, I, they did leave it open ended if they wanted to go back down there. Sure, but I really don't want to see it. I, I really don't. I mean, obviously, they tied up some loose ends of certain characters from the original books. Mm-hmm. Um, one kind of sticks out, but I, like I said, I'm trying to really keep the spoiler free. So, sure, sure. But I have no problem getting into a Twitter discussion about this. Uh, three hours later, shout out to Alex and company over there. They actually covered this on their last episode, really kind of deep dived into it, so definitely check that out. But overall, I thought the series did justice to the material. Okay. Which, like I say, I don't really understand why we needed a follow-up, but I'm not mad about it. So it's one of those uh, series that if you're a fan of the book, you know, check it out if you feel like it, but it's not required viewing. It's not really required viewing, but if you watch it, you'll enjoy it. Okay. Like, I was not mad about it. Like, once they got going and you started figuring out what they were doing, mm. it really took off. And like I say, once they really explain the history of uh, Louis Gossett Jr.'s character, mm-hmm. you really start understanding, okay, what's going on here? And they And they do a lot of justice to the book. Like I say, David Gibbons had a lot to do with this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of overseeing the vision because obviously Alan Moore did not want this to happen. And well, Alan Moore doesn't want anything to happen. And you know, rightfully so. Like I could understand this point because I mean, his book is his book. But sure. Obviously, you know, that's a whole different discussion. But overall, it was a fun watch, and it definitely went in a lot of places. Some of it was kind of a little out there. Sure. Not gonna lie. Sure. Um, they do have a couple shock moments uh, throughout. Well, it's HBO. Right, which you'll get, and you'll be like, okay. Um, here we are. Yeah. But how they tie up loose ends, uh, I thought they did a very good job. Albeit, though, they really, like I said, they left it too open-ended, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that I really just want to see this done because I don't know if they could capture the magic from a second season. Right. Because this one they did so well, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Regina King's character steals this show. She is arguably the best character on here. Louis Gossett Jr. is also a great character once you start deep diving into his character. I mean, like I say, it's worth checking out. I do recommend it. Um, Like I said, did I leave it going like, whoa. Right. Not necessarily. Okay. But I did enjoy it. And like I said, once I got to the end, it made sense. So everything does tie in. 
Okay. It takes a little while to get there, but it does tie in. So I recommend that. And I also recommend Doomsday Clock 12. Okay. Jeff John's series finally wrapped up. After a lot to, of delays. Yeah. I mean, well, him and Gary Frank took their time on the book. Sure. They finally wrapped up business concerning how Dr. Manhattan was involved in the new 52 storyline in DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Now, if it does kind of recon a lot, and it also teases a lot. Okay. Um, so you do have closure, and you do understand what's going on. Um, they've been kind of setting up for like a red herring in, mm. in the comic. Okay. So you might be let down in certain aspects, but I thought overall they closed very, very strong. Albeit, though, there's a couple spoilers in there, and I don't want to ruin this, so I want to maybe wait a week and I'll kind of jump more into That's this. Fair. I'll, I'll tell you off air. Okay. They tease something in this that I don't know if Jeff Johns just wrote in there hoping. Lex Luthor's Doomsday. No, kind of bigger than that. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like the wildest thing I could think of. Oh, because as soon as I tell you, you're going to freak. Wonder Woman loves Doomsday. No. Oh, okay. No, actually, this... That'd be weird. This ties into um, an event that happened in the late 90s. Oh. And I will leave it at that, that I think he was trying to maybe shoot a shot and see what the reaction of uh, some competitors would think. Oh, okay. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. But they he did tease a lot that's coming down the pike. Um, there are... A, basically opened the door for a lot of different uh, possibilities for crossovers. Sure. Uh, involving the DCU. Okay. Um, the other one, like I said, I think he was just throwing out. There. Yeah, one of those, oh, we'll see where this goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, well, then I can just write it Well, out. let's just say this. If you follow shows like Cheers to Comics, shout out to Brian, um, we'll probably be discussing it this weekend because I'm actually guest starring on there. Okay. Um, and I kind of really want to pick his brain about it because when, when I read the line, I went, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting to see the reaction from the internet once the word starts going around about this. Sure. So, so far, it's gaining traction. I'm hoping they revisit this said story, but they fix it because it was kind of a letdown when it came out. But Doomsday Clock definitely closed out the, the saga of introducing the Watchmen into the DC Universe comic. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, left a lot open, so I'm not doubting they revisit this some at some point. Right. But overall, Watchmen had a strong week. Like overall, TV and comics. So I recommend checking both out. And at your local comic shops too this week, since we are talking comics, Marvel has their new big event coming out called Incoming, and they're teasing a major death, and this is supposed to kick off a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the following year. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be a mysterious murder. And basically, I don't know if this is going to go the same route as like Original Sin or some of their other crossovers, but sure. you're going to have something like that happen. Uh, so definitely check that out at your local comic shops. I know today is a new comic book day since the holiday, so hopefully everybody had a Merry Christmas if you're celebrating and happy holidays. So definitely head down there and see what's going on with that too. And also pick up Doomsday Clock 12 as well because I definitely want to start having some conversations about that. Mm-hmm. So the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They have a very big show going on this Friday night at Galaxy Brewing Company. So definitely check out Shot of the Robots on Facebook at uh, Shot of the Robots on Instagram. They'll have some more information up. We will even post a link up on our Facebook page as well, OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can also go there and check out all the music you hear on the show of that of said band, Shot of the Robots. You can hear about Floodlands. You can hear about Fair City Fire, who Brian Wolf, the lead singer, is actually going to be playing a show in town Friday night too. There is a lot of music going on Friday mm-hmm. night. I want to say this. There's like... A, for a local scene, 
There is a lot of shows Friday night. Can I make all of them? That's going to be the question. But you can find out about all the great music you hear on the ODPH. You can also check out the ODPH directory, which has our friends of the show, Three Fat Nerds, Horizone 607, 8122 Productions, which I have to strongly recommend. I didn't think they'd be able to top Love is Scary. Derek is going out of his way to do it. It is the best money you can spend on Patreon right now, Pat. Okay. I can't even give a disclaimer. I want to. Like, I say this all the time, and I mean this because Rich, Ron, and Diesel hear this, and they're like, yeah, how are you going to explain this on air? Yeah. I can't. I want to, but I can't. So definitely you'll have to invest in uh, Patreon for 8122 Productions and definitely check that out. And also you can hear that I was on the wrestling show this past week with Walt from the Necro Comic Con, and obviously Rich is the host of that show too. So we were talking a little wrestling this week, and you hear the um, – unedited version which is a great listen to because there was a lot of stuff going on in the world of wrestling this past week a little bit that uh we could not really discuss on there and we kept it behind a paywall too because we really deep dived into that and definitely had a lot to go with it necrocasticon that's the official name of the show so i apologize i messed that up but definitely check that out and obviously you can check out the links to hashtag 607 podcast next wave and pod nation on the front page as well along with parlay points the complimentary blogs to the odph podcast so much going on, OchoDuroParleyHour.com. So that is all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, and happy belated birthday to Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, twenty The birthday yesterday uh, turned 26 years old. 26 years old and coming back into the comics with the Batman uh-huh. Catwoman series coming yep. out at the top of the year. Definitely got to check that out. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.